This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEN. Welcome back to another episode of Sporting Max. Thanks to Bastion GRP for all your specialist needs in recruiting, defense, and engineering. Go to bastiongrp.com for all your specialist recruiting needs. Now, joining me on the Sporting Max podcast show today is NBL analyst, broadcast commentator. He's an absolute superstar. Liam Santa Maria. Liam, it's great to have you on once again. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Great to be back on. How uh how has your festive season been? Yeah, it's been pretty good. You know, get got away for a couple of weeks to, uh, to Tassie. What about yourself? Down to Tassie. Down to Tassie. Okay, nice. You catch a Jack Jumpers game? I was this close. It, got, it was sold out yeah. as as it is, you know, at my state bank arena. It's, Mate, come you on. Drive, you drive past there every day, though, and it's just, you just get this eccentric sense of what it's going to be. You know, the car park's empty, uh-huh. but you still get that vibe mm-hmm. of... The old Derwent Entertainment Centre still. They they didn't know Max Becker was in town? <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, Brookhouse, Brookhouse. What, what about yourself? Roth. Should have, should have had you in the building. <laughs> um, mate, it's been busy. It's been busy. It's funny, like uh, the NBL season just get, just gets roaring around this mm-hmm. time of year. Was um, there a scheduled trip to Europe for about uh, now? Yeah, there was. We, we rescheduled. Yeah. We rescheduled. So we'll get that happening in the next little while after the season finishes. Um because man, I mean, this this NBL treadmill is is running at a very fast speed mm-hmm. right now. Christmas Day, I think, the amount of eyeballs that were on that game has blown things up a bit. The mm-hmm. crowds have just gone crazy since then. Of course, we know the schedule is super hectic. So um, whilst the whole rest of the Australian kind of community chills out a little bit in January, those yeah. people like myself who are working <laughs> in the NBL, uh, it's our busiest time of year. Yeah, absolutely. How did you view? That Christmas Day game was an absolute blockbuster. How did you celebrate Christmas Day firstly and then you follow it up watching hoops at night? Yeah, well, we've got our, our traditions, so lunch at, at, at my, um, uh, with my family mm-hmm. and, uh, and then dinner with my wife Jess's side. Uh, both the places we were at had pools, which was good because it was, it was a really, yeah. really hot day here <laughs> in Melbourne. Um, but, uh, in the evening during Christmas dinner, we had the game on, we had the game on the iPad sitting on the table outside and, and, uh, kept an eye on it. Um, but I think for a lot of people, I think a lot of people, you know, took that game in that aren't necessarily rusted on NBL fans. It was of course on the channel 10 main channel. And, um, you know, a lot of people have been waiting for a bit of Aussie sport on Christmas day. They tuned in, enjoyed it. And um, have been, you know, flocking into the arenas ever since. Absolutely. I want to start off with the New Zealand Breakers today, sitting third right now as we speak, 13 and 9. Obviously, the Sydney Kings have already clinched that playoff berth. Now, they've got a dynamic team, both teams, the New Zealand Breakers and the Sydney Kings. Sydney mm. Kings, particularly with their bench team, you've got someone like Sean Bruce coming off the bench, you know, it's always a good sign. But Gerald mm. Brantley, Derek Parton, Stepping up, you said on NBL Overtime just last week that you think Jarrell Brantley, DPOY? Needs to be in that conversation. Yeah, they're an elite defensive squad. Those three teams, two of them you mentioned, Sydney and New Zealand, but also Cairns, they're the three best defensive teams in the mm-hmm. league. Melbourne United are getting in that conversation late in the year, for but sure. But they're not when Shaylee's not there. Yeah, but I mean, he's healthy and playing right now. Yep. So as they are at the moment, they're they're elite as well. Yeah. Um, and so you got to look at, well, who's really been getting it done in those squads in particular from a defensive standpoint. So Xavier Cooks and Justin Simon leading the way for the Kings. 
Um, to Jim McCall, I think is that guy for the Cairns Taipans. Mm-hmm. And uh, for Cairns, I, I, you know, I really like the defense of that front court. Now, they've got some guys on the perimeter who guard. Isaiah Liafra is a really tough guy to play against. Mm. But Jarrell Brantley and Derek Pardon are a tough defensive front court. And I, I like Brantley's strength and physicality at that end. And he's also, he's a leader at mm-hmm. the defensive end, just like Tajir McCall is. You know, he's keeping his teammates yep. accountable. Now, they've had a bit of a hiccup here, the Breakers. Just lost three in a row. They'd won their previous two, but they'd lost their three pre- prior to that. So they've won two of their last eight games. Mm. Um, which has been a bit of a surprising slide that the original three game losing streak, they had some guys out. They've had Barry Brown Jr. out for some of these games. So when they don't have their full crew together, those really key pieces, McDowell Mm -hmm. White, Brown Jr., Pardon, Brantley, these type of guys, they are susceptible. But when they're all together and firing, I actually think that's a team who could genuinely challenge for the championship when all is said and done. Yeah, well, Peyton Seaver was made a statement on Instagram in the comments the other day of the NBL. He was talking with someone through. It was just through the comments on Instagram. So okay. it's nothing too serious. Yeah. But I had a look at it and I was reading, and he was talking about Shaley and why he should be in that defensive player of the year. And other people are going, no, he shouldn't because he he hasn't played majority right. of the games this season. And Peyton Seaver was like, well, when when I played the a couple of games against Melbourne United. He changed that mm. team. He goes, and to verse Shay Illy, mm-hmm. to guard him and be guarded by him mm. is a massive challenge. Yeah. Uh, I love that. How cool is it to see guys getting out there and publicly bigging up players from other teams, which mm. is really cool. And it's kind of something we're seeing in the NBL these guys, these days, players being kind of vocal on social media. Something you see from time to time in the NBA. Harry Froling. Yeah, Harry Froling today. He's out there talking about the, the rule changes with regards to the Next Generation Award. But uh, Peyton's right. Shay Ely is one of those few guys. And, you know, Tajir McCall is another one. Damian Martin made... Uh, himself a legend of Australian basketball mm-hmm. by doing this. Guys who can change the course of a game at the defensive end. Mm-hmm. And Mick of a kind is another guy who was able to do that for the New Zealand Breakers. So um, you love what he brings to the table at the defensive end. The game's missed, though. I, I don't know. I think that should come into the conversation. You might be the best defensive player in the league. Yep but you just weren't able to do it often enough for your team because of injury or illness or whatever it might've been. And um, I think other guys probably have the, 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 the noses in front of Shay this season for that award, for that reason. Did New Zealand make the top two? Kansas sitting a couple of wins ahead of them. I think they're on 16 wins, 15 or 16 wins. Their run homes, Illawarra, Sydney, Brisbane, United, Illawarra again, and then Brisbane again. So they've got <laughs> so they've got Illawarra and Brisbane. So they've got four games, mm. which pretty much you'd think are easy wins, almost easy wins. But you never know against Illawarra. They've had their ups and downs this season. They're starting to you know string together a couple of good games. Lockie Dent's really stepping up. Mm. I mean, Jacob Jacomas is trusting his youth. That core group of youth developing. Sam Froling as a leader. What's that like, and how have you viewed that? Love how the how the Hawks are going about it, 100%. You've got to tip your hat to the way that all those players, but I love the fact you mentioned Jacob Jacomis. For a, for a first-year coach who has a record of 2-21, and 21, how extraordinary is it that we're sitting here talking about what a great job he's doing? Absolutely. And it just goes to show the way that team is playing out this season. So 
you would expect to beat the Hawks. But the term easy win, I don't think necessarily applies to them. And mm. you would have thought it was going to start to apply to Brisbane. But ask Simon <laughs> Mitchell and Mitch Creek about that yeah. today. Like they came out and, and, and Jason Kadi led the way and they got a big win last night over the Phoenix. So um, they do have what you would think is an easier run home, the Breakers. But man, I don't think the Taipans are going to slip enough mm-hmm. to open the door for them to slide in. The Taipans have just been extremely impressive. Absolutely. They're pretty much locked away that second spot in the ladder and uh, almost one win away from clinching that finals berth. Now we'll get into Cairns. You mentioned to you McCall before. Mm. What have you analyzed in his game this season? Well, he just makes winning plays to Jim McCall. Um, Adam Ford has spoken all season about how um, his team kind of runs itself. Like the players take ownership of what's going on. And I think Tajir McCall is the leader of that snake for sure. Mm-hmm. The head of that snake. Um, we saw in the very, in the preseason, Adam Ford handed the, the whiteboard over to Tajir McCall at the blitz mm-hmm. and said, Hey, you want to coach a game? <laughs> um, which just speaks to, you know, the trust and the belief that he has in Tajir McCall as a leader. So there's that, there's the impact he has defensively. Yep. Um, as we talked about, has the ability to change games at the defensive end. And they lead the league in defensive efficiency, the Taipans. And he's the man who he really gets that humming. But I also feel like he's he's calmed down a little bit offensively. You know, you've got the influence of Shannon Scott out there. When Scott's not on the floor, often Ben Air is. Mm-hmm. So the pressure for to Jim McCall to, to run the point guard spot isn't Play necessarily mate. there. Yeah. Yep. So they put him on the wing. And then when he, he gets it, he doesn't feel like it's all on him to make the plays. So as a result, I think he's been a little bit more efficient. He's not leading the league in turnovers, yep. shooting a bit of a higher percentage, uh, making good decisions. And um, as a result, despite the fact that Keanu Pinder hasn't been on the floor, that team hasn't missed a beat. Absolutely. Well, they're second at the moment, as we mentioned. You spoke about Ben Air, just touched on him, and he takes that playmaking He's got a playmaking ability about him. Now, whether that's natural ability or not, he's got a little bit of basketball IQ in there. I was mm. talking with uh, Lee Jecker. Lee Jecker used to play in the NBA. He played under mm-hmm. Joey Wright for a period of time. A bucket. Then went then went to Germany yep. and uh, made and won the MVP over in the German league. And he said Josh Giddy has been instilled with that IQ from about four years of age mm-hmm. from Warwick. Now, Warwick Giddy was all IQ back in mm. the day, I'm sure you remember. Mm-hmm. Now, when you've got that, you can dominate the NBA because most of the NBA players are there on natural ability, right? They're, mm-hmm. on, they're, on, they're there on athleticism. And mm. Josh Giddy's there not only on that, but he's there on basketball IQ too. So when you talk about Ben Eyre, link it back to him, what's that been like? He takes that bit of a boulder off to Jim McCall's shoulders when he comes onto the floor. Yeah. The, the combination of Ben Eyre and Shannon Scott, Scott does that as well. He's just such a, a cerebral player. Um, the, the thing I like about Ben Eyre though, maybe slightly less about his IQ, but more so he's, he's got no fear. Mm-hmm. There's a guy who's worked his way on the fringes of the NBL for years and then he finally gets his opportunity last season for the tight hands. And then, bam, 20 points, 10 assists against Melbourne United. A real coming out party. Stamps mm-hmm. himself as a player that should be in this league as a fully rostered guy. So he gets that position with the tight pants. 
And then after you know, maybe finding a little difficult early on to exactly find where he fits on this team, he's found it now. Um, he knows that he's got he's a guy that comes in, handles the rock, plays tough D, and be ready to make big plays in big moments. Got no yep. fear if the ball's in his hands and the shot clock is winding down. He hits big, he takes big shots, and he hits big shots. And for a guy who has been doing everything he can to create himself a role in this league to come in with that type of mindset is really, really impressive. And as a result, um, you know, he's a big reason why the Taipans are doing well so far. Absolutely. So I'll flip the page here. Sydney Kings, not sort of flipping the page, I guess, mm. but just clinching that playoff berth. I want to talk about Chase Buford. He would be absolutely loving his time in the NBL. Obviously, this is most likely going to be his last season in the NBL before he heads off to to the big time. Maybe. Um, I think you're probably right. I'm starting to get that kind of vibe. He is contracted for next season. Mm -hmm. So you got to keep that in the back of your mind. Um, but I am starting to get just here something here or there about that gives me the sense that maybe he's got some opportunities back in the association to move into. Uh, geez, he's really kicking butt here in the NBL oh. on the sidelines, isn't he? Um, yeah, we know he's a passionate guy. He's, he's, he, he kind of uh, lets that get the better of him from time to time. But it's also his secret sauce. You know, you talk about basketball IQ. He has that in a massive way. And it shows you how committed he is to the team, though. For sure. Those guys love playing for him because they know he has their back. And, um, you know, he's just as passionate and driven and committed as, as all of they are. So um, love what he's doing with that team. I mean, they're going to be tough to beat. Can you see... Any of that. We'll talk about Cairns, New Zealand. We're going to talk about Melbourne United, I'm sure, in a little minute. Can you see any of these teams who have all been really impressive at different times in their own right beating Sydney in a three- or a five-game series? Not in a five-game series. Not most likely in a three-game series. If we went to seven, possibly. <laughs> we'll talk about Tassie in a sec mm. because they're the other team I think has potential to maybe knock over the Sydney Kings, maybe not in a full five-game series, but maybe two maybe two games like they did sort of last year. And we saw mm. that in stints. Now, Xavier mm -hmm. Cooks, does he get MVP? Yes. Creek? No. Oh, homicide reckons Barry Brown's in there. Nah. No. Nah. Not happening for Barry Brown. Do you, do you um, reckon he's in the top three, Barry Brown? Um, No, I don't. I think it'll be Cooks, then Creek, then Cotton. And cotton. In the voting. And then you're going to have Pinder and Brown Jr. round out the top five. I'd love to see if Homicide was here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have all over time all over again. Yeah. <laughs> now, everyone plays the ro their own role within the Sydney Kings lineup. Mm -hmm. DJ Vasilovich, when you've got guys of that ability and guys who can come off the bench and just light it up mm. for your team, what does that do? Uh, well, I mean, he's just an electric offensive player. Um, and they, when you've got guys like Xavier Cooks, Justin Simon, who aren't necessarily massive threats from the perimeter <laughs> and want to be attacking the rim, Derek Walton Jr. is a good perimeter shooter, but he wants to get his nose on the rim as well. Yeah. You need guys on the perimeter who can spread the floor. And DJ Vasiljevic is a hundred percent that guy. Tim Suarez from the five spot is that guy as well. But what Dan Vasiljevic is as well, is a guy that they can run stuff for in the half court. Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, that's the, uh, that's the scout for all teams against the Sydney Kings. Slow them down in defensive transition. 
make them execute in the half court, turn them into a jump shooting team. But the problem is when it's Dayan Vasiljevic that's getting those looks because he can do what he did to the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix a couple of weeks ago yep. where he poured in 10 made triples, <laughs> 42 points, an absolute just lit Kudos Bank Arena up. So um, he is a spectacular player right now who I think he's going to have an almighty NBL career. Now, we might lose him to Europe at some stage. Mm-hmm. As the European passport, there'll be big money offers for him. Um, but, you know, and you think about a guy like Chris Golding, who's been an unbelievable NBL player for a long time. Went to Europe for a year. Yeah, he went over yeah. there for a little bit, got a taste of it, and then he made his way back. I think we'll see that with Dan Vasiljevic at some stage. Um, but he's a world-class shooter, there's no doubt about it. Absolutely. I mentioned before, Tassie Jack Jumpers sitting fourth. They're 13 and 10. They're so unselfish. The imports mm. they bring in, it's the opposite to Melbourne United completely. It's a completely different mindset, completely different transitional way that their imports go about it. We saw Jordan mm-hmm. Caroline Rage on Tucker start of the season. Little bit selfish for Melbourne United, didn't we? I'm, I'm not sure if that's the correct the correct word. It might be a little bit over-exaggerating that a bit. But Milton Doyle, Rashad Kelly, mm. and Josh Majette all gelled together so well. And they're not afraid to hand the ball off to Fabian Krizlovich. Give it to Sam McDaniel. Give it to everyone. Give mm. it to Isaac White. He's coming in off the bench and he can ball out. Mm. They are the most unselfish team in the league. No doubt about it. By far. The way they play at the offensive end, like you described, but they're, um, the way they play defensively as well, the way they, they care for each other, they look after each other. You remember, uh, you would have heard Trevor Gleeson talk for years about Wildcats basketball. Mm-hmm. And he would always say, "We've got to, I want all our players to make sure that they feel like they've got each other's back. And what he means by, like, by that is not just, the, hey, when push comes to shove, I'm going to come in and throw my weight around. Yeah. But it's also, if you get beat, I'll rotate. And when I rotate, someone's going to rotate to my guy. And then the next guy's going to rotate. And we will scramble and scramble to cover for each other. And then when the shot goes up, we're all going to put in the effort to block out. These are the types of things that that Tasmania team do at a really high level. Now, I'm interested to ask you, because, you know, you're of an age that is kind of like the prime demographic for the NBL. The yep. NBL and their teams want to get you and your get mates. Get the kids engaged. And, get and, to the game. And the families there to the games. Do you like watching the Jack Jumpers play? They play with the lowest pace in the league. It's always a grind. It's not high-flying, shots being blocked, dunks being thrown They're down. They're my favorite team to watch. Tell me the- why. The Jack Jumpers are your favorite team to watch, and they have to be because of the unselfish style of play. Kids who are playing basketball and may not necessarily, may be given a second chance. Scott Roth has given Clint Stein or Sam McDaniel a second chance. And, mm-hmm. you know, starting these guys on court, it shows kids, you know, look at what you can do. You can be successful. And this mm-hmm. is, it's a great story. And the way they play is so unselfish. It's a great um, demonstration to young kids and kids 15, 16 out there who can play basketball mm. and not be afraid to share the ball. Share the ball. Love, that's the key phrase for me. It's a team game. Exactly. You know, and sometimes you get to the pros. That's why the Tasmania Jack Jumpers are so good to watch. Well, that's right. Um, and it's it's actually quite rare to see a team at the elite levels play team basketball to the level that they do. Yeah. Because usually um, it's a superstar-driven sport at the very top end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, teams have their guys and it's about let's make sure we get he gets his shots. They don't care who scores the ball. 
Now, they have... As long as you're scoring. Exactly. So they have great faith in Milton Doyle in big situations. So he gets more shots down the stretch. But they genuinely don't care who scores as long as it's somebody in a green shirt. And they end up with more points than the opposition at the end of the night. Absolutely. We'll get into the Perth Wildcats sitting fifth. They're inside that top six, looking set to play finals after missing out last year. I want to talk about John Rilly and Bryce Cotton. There seems to be a great relationship there between the two compared to Cotton and Morrison last year. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, Cotton was uh, brilliant last season. Mm -hmm. He was runner-up in MVP voting. um, And... Uh, I think he just kind of ran out of legs a little bit down the stretch. Their execution offensively kind of relied a little bit too much on him, especially when Vic Law got injured late in the year. And um, they weren't at the level defensively that they needed to be that team because they didn't have the big bodies up front. Mm -hmm. But I didn't necessarily see anything between Scott Morrison and Bryce Cotton that suggested that they didn't get along. Mm -hmm. Um, But John really was a great hire, Mm -hmm. a really terrific higher by that club. And, um, he has had a really good season. I, I, I really respect the call he made a couple of games ago to shorten his rotation mm-hmm. and say, look, Mitch Norton, Todd Blanchfield, especially, but also Jesse Wagstaff. You guys have been great players in this league and you've been terrific servants of this club. Jesse Wagstaff, one of the greatest of all time to put on the Wildcats Jersey, mm-hmm. but you, None of those guys are having great seasons and it is go time for us right now if we're going to make the playoffs. So I'm going to have to shorten the rotation a little bit here and I'm going to play major minutes to the guys who are getting it done. And that's Bryce Cotton and that's Corey Webster. Now it's Ty Webster. Um, you know, Luke Travers, Brady Manick, uh, and to Sean Thomas. I mean, those six are the guys really getting the bulk of the minutes for that team right now. Now, that doesn't work for every squad. You talked about the bench group for Sydney before. It wouldn't make sense for Chase Buford to tighten his rotation right now because mm. they are at their best with everybody playing a good chunk of minutes. Yep. But for the Perth Wildcats, it was the right move and it's put them back in the mix. Absolutely. I want to know, get your opinion on the Ty Webster signing. Joins his brother Corey back in the league, but at a different club. Well, who'd have thought we'd have both the Websters at the Wildcats? Uh, it really has been um, quite a surprise the way it's all worked out. I liked the signing from the Wildcats. Was there a force foreseen signing? Was that foreseen? Did you foresee that? Uh, I look, I'd heard rumblings that, that there was conversations taking place and that they were working things out behind the scenes with the breakers because Ty Webster's rights in the NBL was still owned by the breakers. Mm. And my understanding is his contract said, um, it wasn't just like that there's a buyout in place. It was to say, yes, you can go and play in Europe or wherever it might be. But until the end of this, the 22, 23 season, you can only play for the breakers in the NBL. Mm -hmm. So he wanted to leave Turkey. The Wildcats wanted to bring him in. And so then the conversation took place with the breakers. Like, how can we make this work? So then they negotiate a buyout and, and that took place. Eventually they were able to get that done and they bring him in. I like it because there aren't many ways in the NBL, unlike in the NBA, where you can make significant changes to your roster mid-season. Yeah. You can make an import change. Um, after a certain point, that becomes quite expensive because you're going to have to pay the guy out that you're letting go. Mm-hmm. 
Um, or you can bring in a, a replacement player for an injured guy, but there's not a lot of high-level local guys available mid-season. Um, but you can't trade, and um, you can't kind of you know bring guys up from the G League or the like that you've got on two-way contracts. It becomes really difficult. Yep. So they have pulled a lever here that is really one of the only ways you can improve your team from a roster perspective mid-season, and that is bring a guy in from overseas, a local guy who is available. Now, many years ago, man, what was it? Maybe the 14, 15 season, something like that. The Adelaide 36ers did that with Brock Modem. Mm -hmm. He became available mid-season. They bring him in. Oh, man, they went on a massive run, and um, really it changed their season. Uh, and I like the fact that they've paid the money made the bold move quickly and, and when it needed to be done with Ty Webster and said, he's a high level guy. Everyone was wondering, oh man, the two Websters and Bryce, geez, I wouldn't know. How. Bring him in. Let's see how it works. Let's make it work. Roll the dice. Mm -hmm. All right. Melbourne United, Marcus Lee was their knight in shining armor, as well as Shaley with the couple of concussion injuries throughout the course of the start of the season. He's in fine form at the moment. So is Marcus Lee, though. United are looking extremely scary heading in to this back end of the season. Mm. Sitting six, and they've got no sign of slowing down. 100%. And scary is the word that Dean Vickerman used about his own squad uh, in recent times. Hey, if we get in there, we're going to be pretty scary because, you know, the reality is they will be playing at a really high level. What a remarkable turnaround. They looked dead and gone um, a month or so ago. Um, I said on NBL Overtime earlier this morning, credit Dean Vickerman for uh, altering his approach with this team mm -hmm. mid-season. It's not easy to do. Things were spiraling out of control with that squad. He was getting involved with the media. He's, he was kind of getting a little negative with some of his guys, and he has refocused mid-season. And he's not paying attention to any of that other stuff. He's been really positive with his group. Um, now, health. And having the roster that you need is a big part of all of that. Mm -hmm. um, so Marcus Lee was a terrific mid-season signing as an Ariel Hook-Porty replacement. Um, Mason Peatling has kind of stepped in and playing a really good role in that role that Jordan Caroline was in earlier in the year. And having Shea Yilly back so he can be the starter. And Xavier Ratan Mays can come off the bench. Uh, all the pieces now are there how they foresaw it being when they put it all together in the mm -hmm. off-season. But... Dean Vickerman and his efforts this season, because he's a three-time championship winning coach and he wasn't having his best year. And I think he'd put his hand, own hand up and, and agree with that. He even said a little while ago, I was, I was in a pretty dark place there for a moment. Um, and it's a real credit to him that even as a, you know, a, a veteran coach, he was able to self-analyze, make the appropriate changes. And mm -hmm. he and his squad together now um, motoring towards the finals, having won seven of their past eight. Is Shaley Melbourne United's most important asset this season over Chris Golding? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have been saying that. I don't agree. I think Chris Golden is their most important player. The nuts and bolts Shaley is. I, I love Shaley. Nobody nobody loves Shaley more than me because, look, I was a defensive kind but of Chris, guy. Chris CG well. wins your games. Yeah, just CG is the foundation piece of that squad. Yeah. You know, it's like looking at the Phoenix and saying anyone else apart from Mitch Creek is their most important player. Or looking at Perth and saying anyone else apart from Bryce Cotton is their most important player. Th those guys are the main guys. And if, you know, yeah, they lost a bunch of games without Shaili at the start of the season. I wonder how many they would have lost without Chris Golding. Mm, even more. Maybe. 
we, we don't know because he, he was out there on the floor. So uh, for me, he is their most important player. Shea is massive. So is Marcus Lee. So is Rajon Tucker now with the way that he's playing. All those guys are really important. But Chris Golding is that franchise piece. Absolutely. Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, the crosstown rivals now, sink seventh. Do they make playoffs, that playoff bracket? Jeez, do you know what? Oh, man. Oh, I don't think they and then, do And then now. you've got Adelaide at eight. Yeah. I put Adelaide in the bin. Yeah. They're not making it. <laughs> they don't play D. But I'm shocked now that I'm sitting here saying, no, I don't think the Phoenix will get in. Now, there are still some more twists and turns to go in this wild NBL season over the last few rounds. Mm. But they've now got four games to go, and they I think you need to have 15 wins to make the top six this year. They're 12 and 12. They're going to need to go th- at least three and one over those last four. Now, I don't have it in front of me, but they play Cairns and Sydney and Tasmania and someone else really tough in that in that run home. Maybe, maybe it's Adelaide. Um, they're not really tough, but <laughs> uh, it's not Adelaide. Actually, they, they play, they play four teams that are above them. Let me bring it up. They've got four tough games to finish off the season. And the loss to Brisbane last night is, um, you know, really puts the pressure on and takes away their margin for error on that back end. So uh, I, I am now I don't think they're going to get that done. So, yeah, Tassie, Perth, Cairns, Sydney. Their final four games. Four tough ones. To think that they're going to go three and one over the course of that, a team that's currently on a five-game losing streak, I think that's a big call. Alan Williams. Love him. Love him. Mm -hmm. Resign him. For sure. Mitch Creek. Well, he's under contract. You would would extend him anyway. He will come back. Yeah. What do you think of him, MVP, next season? Because uh, Cooks is undoubtedly the MVP this year. Creek, I think, as long as he for the you know is in the prime of his career, which he is right now, and he's at the Phoenix, will where, he get back to the NBA? I don't think so. I don't think so. Man, I tell you, if he had this game where he was shooting like he does from three now, mm-hmm. if he had that three or four years ago, now this is a guy's already played in the NBA. You'd never can never take that away mm-hmm. from Mitch Creek. But I think he would have stuck if he could have shot the three ball then like he does now. Mm. But as long as, I mean, he's in the prime of his career now and for the next couple of seasons, if as long as he's still in the NBL and he's playing for the Phoenix where he's their franchise guy, he'll be an MVP candidate year after year. Does Mason Gaze get a shot in the NBL Ooh, next season? That's a good question. He's shown promising signs for the Melbourne Tigers. He's gone away and he's been working this NBL one South off season. I'm really keen to see what he can bring to the table. Would be cool to see. Be great to see, wouldn't it? Um, I remember watching Mason when he was really, really young, when he was just getting started. Uh, would be cool to see. Wait, who's he's playing for Melbourne Tigers again in the NBL? Yeah, um, yeah, he, he under the old ga- man, Gazy's coaching. Okay, Felix von Hove. Hopefully, he comes back after the Bachelor. <laughs> wow, have geez. you watched any of that? I have watched yes, a so couple of episodes. <laughs> My goodness, um, would be cool to see. I mean, hopefully, you know, he can take a leap this year and then somebody can give him a chance. Jack Jumpers, he tried out for them, yeah. Yep, said it was a good experience, learned a lot, uh, didn't get a, a DP spot, but um, would, be, would be cool to see. He's only 21, 22, mm-hmm. so he's on the brink of, you know, that age gap, 21 to 25 is when you should sort of come through and you make that, make yourself noticeable. Now, we'll get into Adelaide. You said chuck them in the bin, they're done. <sighs> I think they are, yeah. Um, 
man, that, I thought that team was going to have a spectacular season. Mm-hmm. The, the recruits that they got in the offseason, what they did in the preseason. So if we look back to that game against the Phoenix, yeah. how do we analyze that from where Adelaide is sitting right now in eighth spot? I is, don't think is it the Phoenix had an off day or Adelaide no. had a good day? Well, I don't think you can take anything away from what Adelaide did on that night no. as a result of what's happened over the course of the season mm-hmm. because they created history. Mm. I think they made us all proud. They did what no other team has ever done before. And to be honest, they did what no, what very few people thought an NBL team would ever do mm. is beat an NBA team in a legit game. And People say, well, it's just and pre-season. And a side that was in top five in their conference. Oh, 100%. Devin Booker and Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. And, Landale. Uh, absolutely. Those guys were all playing. You know, Bridges, those guys were all playing minutes in that game. Um, and um, Monty Williams left that starting group out there for an extended period in the third because he felt like, hey, uh, I don't want to lose this game. We, we're, we're getting a high handle on this right now, and I'm going to make sure we win it. Well, that didn't happen. Adelaide continued to knock down shots. They made the big plays. They got the win. And they could have come here and gone over. And that would still be just as spectacular an effort as, as what it was on that night. Now, having said that, you can't let what happened on that night distract you from how disappointing this NBL season has been. Mm-hmm. Because that, that, that squad has really underwhelmed. And, um, you know, if I was Grant Kelly, the owner who has, you know, put his money where his mouth is and gone out and recruited big name players. And I like the way they went about it. They recruited guys who had proven that they could do it in the NBL. Mm-hmm. Two of them, not the third that went out in, <laughs> in a blazing glory, uh, a blaze of glory. Um, but it's been disappointing and, and, um, you know, there's some questions that need to be answered about that team over the off season. Absolutely. Now the Brisbane Bullets beat the South East Melbourne Phoenix. Jason Kadee, you mentioned before, stepping up. He had a massive three mm. over a couple of guys. <laughs> Sitting ninth, though, so they're out. Does Aaron Baines get back to the NBA? I think he has a chance, yeah. After um, another season in the NBL? I or? even think, believe it or not, because he hasn't been tearing up the what NBL. What does he do with Delhi and go straight back? I think he potentially could do that. I would be shocked to see him get a 10-day or a couple of 10 days at the back end of this season. Because, yeah, he has not been a dominant force in the NBL this season. He had that game. He's going to have the same impact wherever he goes. Oh, yeah, I think so. And, look, it's just as a you know a veteran guy who, um, if a team is running out of bodies late in the season, they want to shut a few teams down and you've got to have the right amount of dudes in uniform. A veteran guy who's going to be a good presence in the locker room and um, can come out and bang bodies and, you know, has, has a whole bunch of NBA experience to lean on. I think he's, he's a good chance to get those kind of opportunities. You mentioned Dally. He's a good example. I think he had a better campaign in the NBL than Bainsey has had. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what Dally did was prove that he was back healthy and that he was shooting the ball pretty well. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things that he needed to prove to be able to get back in. Well, I think for Bainsey, the thing he needed to prove is that he's healthy. Mm-hmm. He can get up and down and he can, he can, he can run out the course of game. Yeah. And, he can, and, and his, um, you know, his body is at a play in a place where he'd be able to come out and contribute. So wouldn't shock me to see him, uh, get another look in and, uh, add to that 522 NBA game resume. Illawarra. Shocking run of imports, four imports, season ending injuries, pretty much smack bang one week after another. Mm. How do you focus on the last few games 
of the season. Obviously, Tyler Harvey and Sam Froling leading, leading the way. Man, they just need to keep doing what they're doing. I love the way they're going about things right now. Um, Jacob Jacomas has that team um, fighting and and playing um, like they're in the race for the playoffs. And mm. there's something really cool about the way they're going about it because they don't have that to play for right now. Um, all they have is the, the, to play for is, is for pride is to represent the Jersey, to represent the region, their fans. Um, but also there's a real sort of like respect for the game that's taking place with the Hawks right now. Mm -hmm. I, uh, most teams with that kind of record around the world will have completely imploded. They'll be infighting. They'll be thrown in the towel at this point in the season. They, they would become easy beats. That has not happened one little bit with this Illawarra Hawks team. In fact, they've become tougher to play against as the season has progressed. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's an enormous credit to everybody there involved. A couple of quick questions, Liam. Is it a fairy tale season if Melbourne United win the championship? Yes. One of the greatest fairy tale seasons that we will have ever seen in the NBL. Antonio's Cleveland back to back MVPDPOY? No. Bronny to the NBL. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> uh, Aaron Baines makes the NBA next after one more season in the NBL. Um, yes. Tassie and Sydney grand final. Again, no. Don't quite think Tassie will get that far. Who makes it? I think Cairns. Cairns and Sydney? Yeah. I think they've got a huge advantage finishing top two. Which, mm -hmm. which we talked about earlier. We think that they probably will. And uh, they're going to have a home game one of a semifinal series, the Taipans. And um, I, could just, I could just see them coming in and, and getting that series done. It would be cool to see them back in the grand final. They've made a couple mm -hmm. over the years, but it's been uh, a hot little minute and uh, have never won a championship. So for them to be back in with a chance to get that done would be cool. Josh Majette comes back next season. Yes. Rajon Tucker comes back next season Ooh, for United. That's a good question. You're a United fan. Would you like to see that? 50-50. Mm. Would, you, would you like to see Trope, uh, like Gary Brown come back? What, uh, what are you asking me about that for? About South East Melbourne. <laughs> would you like to see? Uh, would I like to see Gary Brown back as the PG? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, and it, maybe if he had a season that wasn't inju injury interrupted, he could be an, an all-league type of guy and be good for them. I'd like to see Ray John Tucker back. You would? Yeah, I mean, he has been, he's been unbelievable in the back half of this season. Is everyone at Melbourne United safe? Are Chris Golding and Shaley the only two players right now who are safe? Uh, no, 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 no. M more than that. Um, who are safe, not, not contract-wise. Geez, if you were Melbourne United, you'd be doing everything you possibly can to get Marcus Lee back, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's a guy that... Newley and Barlow? Um, Do they come back? Considering age? Newley's been good in recent times. He um, he's been really helpful and he's, he's been, you know, been showed some, some versatility. He's been playing some of the four spot at a pinch. Um, they're both at a point. I mean, um, Barlow's already kind of gone down this path and come back. Mm -hmm. uh, they're both at a point now where they'll be contemplating retirement and whether or not it's right for them to step away. So, and absolute legends of the game. 
So you know, out of respect to them, you know, it's it's all about them making their own decision in that regard. Brisbane Bullets had a bit of a hiccup throughout the season. Obviously, mm. James Duncan gets sacked. Mm. He's actually coming on the podcast soon, so we'll have Ooh. a chat to him. So we've got James Duncan, Jason Kadee coming on the podcast, and DJ Vasilovich coming Ooh. up over the next few weeks. So Kadee and Duncan names. together? Is that they doing that one together? No, not together. Okay. Separately. separately. Right. So we'll um, <laughs> see how that goes down. But he goes, mm. Sam McKinnon. GM, NBL legend, mm. steps up. I personally really liked the look of that. All the guys got around him. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I was messaging you when that all went down mm. prior to overtime. What was that like? Um, was it a shock? That he was made head coach or that he was moved out of that spot? Both. <laughs> uh, it was a bit of a surprise, yeah, that they made him head coach. It's not something you see very often. Mm. Guy comes stepping out of the front office into the head coaching position. When was the last time? Maybe 1990 with Cal Bruton. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was a long time ago. Um, that was a bit of a surprise. What was even more of a surprise was how it played out after that, where um, he was moved back into the front office and then Greg Vanderjack was put in as the new interim head coach. What was the situation there? Well, Sam made it clear that he wanted to stay on. You know, he'd got of um, he has a bit of sort of uh, some aspirations from a coaching perspective, mm-hmm. but he has a full time ongoing position as the GM of basketball at that that club. So the question mm- is, can you do both? Well, my understanding is, well, the the offer was made to him to um, uh, he was given a, a a contract that said, all right, here you go, you can stay on as our interim head coach until the end of the season, mm-hmm. but you have to relinquish your role as GM of basketball now. That would just not be a smart life decision. Mm. That's not a mm. that's not a smart decision that any kind of self respecting adult would make to say yep. yes to that. So yeah. he <laughs> said, he said that's an offer I can't really accept. And they said, well then then you can't do both. Yeah. So he had to go back to his GM of basketball role, and uh, they had to then put someone else in as head coach. So that's that's all a bit messy. I think it's been messy there in Brisbane over the course of this season. I think that they would all agree from ownership right through to the last guy on the roster. And as a result, their record is what it is. You need to have a harmonious organization in order to have success in a league as competitive as this. What are your predictions for end of the season? I want to have a chat about the new award, the Next Generation Mm. Award. You like it? Who wins that? I I think I like it. Players, you know, sort of under 25 in Mm. that age bracket Mm. instead of Rookie of the Year. It gives other guys an opportunity. sort of similar to AFL Rising Star Award. It is. Um... What I like about it is that the rookie of the year eligibility was confusing. Mm-hmm. You could, you weren't eligible to win rookie of the year if you're a development player. Yeah. Um, even though it's your first season. Even though that's your first season as a pro, uh, you um, uh, weren't able to be rookie of the year if you'd played professionally elsewhere in the world. So let's think about a guy like, for instance, a guy like Ben Eyre, mm. who's hit who had been a DP and now was his first year as a fully contracted player in, in, in the NBL, but he'd previously played in Lithuania. Mm. Um, now second division in Lithuania, does that count? Well, he was playing as a pro overseas, you know, yeah. other guys, um, had done similarly, you know, Mitch McCarron or Dexter Koenig drew these types of guys. So it's, it was all a bit confusing. Then the, then I, I talk about a guy like Sean McDonald at Tasmania, for example, mm-hmm. He's a DP right now. He was a DP last season. He's having a really good impact for the Jack Jumpers. 
he couldn't win Rookie of the Year this year because he's a DP. In fact, he couldn't win it again, either next year because he was going to be he's going to mm. be a DP again. Mm. And yet, he could potentially win Most Improved Player. Absolutely. And that's weird, right? Yep. Like to be able to say, "Hey, I won Most Improved Player in 2023, and then I won Rookie of the Year in 2025." That's mm. just weird. So something had to change. Yep. That the, the the eligibility of the award needed to change, but with next stars and DPs and how all that works is a bit tricky. Mm-hmm. So I like simplifying it and just saying, this is the new award. If you're an import, a next star, a DP, an Aussie, a Kiwi, doesn't matter who you are. Mm-hmm. You could be a special restricted player. You could be from the Philippines or Japan or China. Yeah. If you are under 25, as of April 30 of when the season finishes, you can win this award. And I like it. It's You talk about the AFL Rising Star. It also is a little bit like the EuroLeague Rising Star Award, mm-hmm. where a guy like Luka Doncic won that back-to-back years yep. before he went to the NBA. Nikola Mirotic, Bogdan Bogdanovic, they won it for a couple of years in a row as well. We're gonna, I think we'll see that with this award. Sam Froling, I think, would be the front runner for this year. He'll be eligible again next year. I think he might even be eligible again the year after. Um, and if he wins it three years in a row, despite... You know, like a young import coming in and, and, and if he outplays them, great. Kudos to him. He can build a resume saying, I am one of, no, I am the best young player in the NBL year after year. Mm-hmm. I like it. Josh Giddy. Hmm. Couple of triple doubles. Mm-hmm. Dominating. Mm. Alongside Shake Gillard, Alexander. And you've got Shea Holgram to come back. Mm. How's that going to go next season? Oh, man. It's going to be fun to watch. How good is Josh playing? <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. He's killing. And uh, Woody had that 28, 9, and 9 game recently. He's been mm-hmm. averaging big numbers. And and what I've really loved about Josh this season is his um, uh, aggression mm-hmm. and um, uh, his desire to score the ball. Yeah. You know, he made a name for himself coming into the league and then in his rookie season as one of the best passers in the global basketball, but what he hasn't done is, um, fall into the trap of forgetting to score Yeah, because you know, no matter what level you're playing, you have to be looking to score the ball first and then make reads and set guys up after that. Mm -hmm. If guys can start to play you for the pass because you're hesitant or not confident to try to score, things become clunky and funky and Mm -hmm. difficult for you. Just ask Ben Simmons. Mm -hmm. Whereas Josh has said, all right, you know what? I work on my floater game. I'm working on my three-point game um, with the specialist shooting coach that they've brought in there at OKC. I'm working on my strengths so that I can get close to the rim, body up, and finish over the top. And now he's scoring over 20 points on the regular, mm-hmm. still dropping dimes, but he's just this well-rounded offensive threat um, that is setting him up to be an all-star caliber player over the course of a long career. How cool is that? for the young guy out of Melbourne, Victoria. Absolutely. Liam, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Best of luck for finals and the rest of the season. Thanks, man. Love, always love coming in and and chopping it up and uh, have a great 2023 ahead. Absolutely. Stay tuned, everyone, for some more Sporting Max. This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEM.